I have a super savvy audience. So all the stuff of traditional marketing tech and, you know, digital marketing, all that stuff, that stuff doesn't apply for the most part in cybersecurity. Welcome to the Leaders of B2B podcast, a weekly show where we bring you interviews and in the weeds expertise with today's B2B experts and thought leaders. You can see more about today's episode and guest by visiting our website at leadersofb2b.com. This episode is brought to you by Content Allies. We help B2B companies launch revenue-generating podcasts. We schedule interviews between you and your ideal prospects and strategic partners. You show up for engaging conversations. We handle everything else. Ready to build a podcast that grows your business in just one hour per week? Reach out to us at contentallies.com. Do you employ or pay workers in other countries? Even if you don't yet, you might soon. Now that remote work is the norm, employees have more freedom than ever to move around. If you want to keep the best people, you have to stay flexible. That's why remote makes it easy for companies of all sizes to employ global teams. They take care of international payroll, benefits, taxes, and local compliance, so you can focus less on paperwork and more on growing your business. Remote helps you onboard full-time employees or contractors in countries all over the world in minutes on its simple, easy-to-use platform. And even better, Remote helps you rest easy by providing you the most comprehensive intellectual property protection and data security in the industry. They own full local legal entities in all their covered regions, guaranteeing you never have to deal with a third party ever. To save you money, Remote never charges any fees or salary percentages. You get access to everything Remote offers from payroll to compliance and to benefits management for one low flat rate. No hidden fees, no surprises ever. Just the best global employment solution in the business. Best of all, podcast listeners get an even bigger discount. Get your first employee free for 12 months and two months free for any additional employees onboarded during their first year. You can get 50% off Remote's full suite of global employment solutions for your first employee for three months. Just visit remote.com slash leaders and use the promo code leaders. Hey, leaders, welcome back. This is Leds. Today, I am welcoming Moni Oluwide to the show. Moni, love if you would give a little introduction of yourself and your work to the audience. Sure. Uh, thanks so much for having me. So, yeah, uh, like I said, Moni Oluwide. I currently am the Marketing Director of Infrastructure at Fidela Cybersecurity. And I have spent my entire career in the marketing, digital marketing, marketing operations technology space. Uh, the first job I ever had out of college was with a cybersecurity company that was uh, client number 567 of Eloqua at the time. And uh, so I learned that tool and then learned Marketo and then was off to the races with consulting and seeing all types of businesses, small, medium, large, B2B, B2C. So it's been a fun ride. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, we talked a little bit off mic about uh, the fundamentals of, of marketing, you know, so over the mm-hmm. course of your career, you've seen a lot of things change and yet there's probably also a lot of things that are, are kind of like, I guess the laws of physics, you know, of marketing. I, I thought that'd be a, a great topic just to dive in on a little bit. Yeah. Over the course of my career, I actually went back and got my master's degree in marketing. Cause that wasn't what my undergrad was, even though I spent my entire career in it and I figured, Hey, if I'm going to do this for the rest of my career. I might as well get like a so- solid foundational background in it. It was an epiphany to realize like a lot of the, 
this is true in the marketing technology space 100%, but just in general in marketing, we, we follow the shiny object, we like all the acronyms, the ABMs and the content marketings and, you know, lead gen and funnels and all this other stuff. And when it doesn't work, what's normally broken is that the, the marketing is broken, right? Marketing being the communication value to a desired audience. We're not communicating well, right? That's what breaks down. And when the communication part that breaks down is the listening and listening with empathy. We don't listen to our audience very well and give them what they want. So that's normally what's broken when marketing is a fix. You're focusing on the business and you're focusing on the funnel and all the stuff you have to do, but you're not focused on the audience. Right. It's like the structures and the tools and all the stuff, but you can do all the things that you ever wanted to do distributing the wrong message and it's not going to land with no. you know the target customer. So I guess then the next logical question is how do you know who that target is and you know, actually find a message that resonates with them. Where does that, where's the data and intelligence come from there? I mean, I, I get it. Like I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm the sales guy. So, you know, all yeah. the time I'm getting calls and just like, this isn't even remotely close to the target. And, you know, the joke is marketing calls it a qualified lead. And I'm like, well, <laughs> it's kind of not right. You know, and, nope. and I don't like to be at loggerheads with marketing, but I also like to be able to give, feedback and data from the sales process that right. at least informs a better call for us. Absolutely. I mean, this is a quintessential problem that's been going on for 15 plus years, ever since the introduction of marketing technology, because marketing thinks a qualified lead is based on, you know, a lead score, which really a lead score at its core is an arbitrary set of numbers randomly selected by out of the ether to apply value to something. It is not based in anything, right? And it's just like, we wonder why this doesn't work. Yeah, you, there's no talking to the customer about what they like, what they want, what they're interested in. You randomly put a value to a white paper. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, we don't like the ones of, oh, oh, great, they downloaded a white paper. Like, that means it's sitting on their hard drive and they never opened it. Yeah, Exactly, yeah. right. And it's just like, we don't, we don't do the quote unquote hard things, even though that would get us the quickest way to the path we're trying to get to. So, you know, we have to kind of take a step back and, and establish what we actually want to accomplish. One of the things that I talk about most often is that marketing gets uh, sidetracked because they are focused on business goals and not marketing goals, right? KPIs and ROI and all that stuff is a business goal. Revenue is the responsibility of the entire business, not one department. Right. So it's just like you have to look at it as a collective. Right. So the dependency on our on revenue is not just on marketing. When, you, when it does that, marketing fails 99 percent of the time. If you focus on customers and what they want and communicating good to their customers, you're going to get revenue 100 percent of the time. <laughs> that never fails. Right. That's going to get you the revenue. Now, tracking it and all that stuff, we can talk about those mechanisms that absolutely to be in place. I'm not saying don't track those things. What I'm saying is the goal of marketing should be something customer related that leads to revenue and not direct revenue, because there's a bajillion ways to slice that that data. You know what I mean? Have those processes in place. It, marketing gets screwed up that way. I mean, you might right. all, you might want to track once revenue closes, you got to go, well, which paths worked there, you know, and which didn't, but it's only part of that equation then. So what, what do you think about for the KPIs of, of marketing, you know, which measurable things have you seen really be most important? It depends on what your goals are. So again, the goals of marketing could be completely different. And a, 
a product launch goal is not the same as a brand awareness goal is not the same as customer retention is not the same as legion, right? That's, that's normally where 99% of customers get screwed up is in the way I track that, the way my KPIs are, all my marketing activities are going to be different depending on what my goals are. They're trying to boil the ocean with all of these things and it doesn't go anywhere, right? Or it's just legion, which is the most generic goal of all time, which is getting in leads. Like you can go buy a list. I got leads. Yay. Like, who cares? So it's more of like, what is your actual goal? What are you trying to accomplish? And then we work backwards from that. So after you establish your goals, like who is the audience for this goal? Most of the time when marketers are putting together their audience, it's buyer personas, which are very flat, generic. Joe Bob, 35-year-old CISO, you know, goes to this website, likes this. It's written. It's that doesn't help. That's basic information. Anybody can go copy. That's not actually from speaking to your customers or gleaning what their actual pain points are or anything like that. The key in knowing your audience is, like I said, listening with empathy and actually understanding their what's underneath the pain points. We all buy off of emotion. We don't buy off logic, right? Relationships and emotion. Those are the two things people buy off. <clears throat> so you don't have those things. You know what I mean? Everything right now is just like, I want it right now. I want it quick. Where are my results? It has to be done in a quarter. And I come from a B2B world and nothing works like that, right? So it's like, who do you know? Who's the relationship with? Do I trust you? All emotional type stuff. How do you get to that, to that with your audience, right? That's not going to be on a flat buyer persona piece of paper, which you never look at after doing all of the work. You throw it in a file somewhere in the corner and don't pay any attention to it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a big persona fan myself. I mean, I get it as a tool for organization in the same way that you might. Let's at least start with a mind map to kind of get our ideas together. Like that's kind of what that persona to me is like, well, we need a, a way to capture this thinking, but it doesn't it doesn't live and breathe, you know, kind of after that. So, I mean, the question for me then is like in a lot of organizational structures, marketing never has contact with the customer, which I think we both agree is wrong. I know in my seat, very, you know, at the bottom of the funnel, like we have to work in, in sales world where it's like, we actually have a one-to-one call with a bunch of prospects, which actually drives a lot of intelligence, you know, that we could feedback up if the mechanisms are there. And I will often look to the marketing organization to say, like, how are you going to consume these one-to-one feedback mechanisms from actual prospects and turn them into something that is an aggregate data set that we can make better choices from? And very often that's not in place at all. Not at all. Exactly. I mean, this is one of the biggest fundamental problems with marketing. There's no process for getting actual intelligence, not like data points, which, you know, every company in the world has, but like actual intelligence about what someone's, what your audience in general really likes, because you can glean from, you know, 10, 15 prospects, you know, you can gather kind of similar themes and similar understandings of what's really going to move the needle. And the key is not to necessarily translate that into metrics per se, but translate that into a marketing campaign that talks to that audience, right? Speaks to those pain points, speaks to those issues. And then that is what's going to drive results. How do you, I mean, tactically actually do that there? You got, so you got some, you know, maybe you talk to 15 prospects, you've got statistically meaningful feedback. How do you, what is the process to go about making sure that you can write or deliver, you know, contextual messaging that actually speaks to those challenges. 
So one of the things you have to start with is everyone talks about the marketing and sales relationship and how contentious it is and blah, blah, blah. That's because it's based on this like arbitrary lead conversation. Like what's going to happen with my leads? Well, they're crap. And they go back and forth. And then they say, then they say the relationship is broken. It's like, we're not actually talking about things that matter. <laughs> like that's the problem. We're talking about these leads that everyone knows is junk. It's just like, okay, I have to hit my number. Marketing has to say they did, they did something great. So we should do 200 leads. It's like, all right, we have to get to the relationship between sales and marketing, what you just said, right? They need a regular cadence of when you actually speak to prospects, what are you actually hearing, right? And then funnel that back, get commonalities because they're always going to come back with some, like I said, common themes, commonalities, common touch points about what's really the issue there. Marketing has to then go back and develop an actual program or campaign that speaks to that. Then within that, we're building the metrics and KPIs in order to track the value of that particular campaign. It's not going to always be some like, we have to get away from the thought and theory that everything is so metrics based that it, every touch point can be measured to the nth degree, right? Like your audience doesn't care. Your customer doesn't care. They just want to get to what they want to get to and move on about their day, right? And that's what marketing needs to focus on. We so we get bogged down in numbers and metrics because we have to prove ourselves to the business and prove that we're providing value to the business. But while you're doing that, you're not providing value to the customer, which is your actual job. <laughs> it's what you're actually supposed to be doing. So it's like, I have to like kind of not retrain most marketers, but kind of like, it's a little bit of a brainwashing that they've been, you know, conditioned over decades right now to like, everything I do has to be tracked because I have to prove ROI. And it's just like, the, you're not wrong. The perspective of what you're, the view of where you're, how you're looking at that is backwards, right? It's like, if you focus on that same, like I have to prove myself, but to the customer and not to the business, you're going to get money. Like it's just, that's just how it works, right? If you serve the customer and give them what they want and make them happy, they're going to willingly hand you their money. They, that's, that's a test of time, right? But that's hard work. It takes time. I'm not saying that's an easy thing to do, um, but once you do it, it is just you're optimizing and moving forward versus like, I have to get uh, 800 leads. How am I going to do it? I got to do this digital campaign and this content indication and put this on the website and this, and you get the leads and there's crap, right? You're chasing your tail over and over and over again. Right. I know you work now with Fidelis that it, you're in cybersecurity, you know, and I happen to know just from my own experience that, I mean, you know, rapidly growing field and very, very crowded field it's it's not dissimilar to you know it, it almost becomes like being the new management consultant or you know cloud transformation it's like whatever like yeah we all know there's a there's a blue ocean for this there's a lot of demand for this but standing out like when you read the marketing across that space you kind of go like it all sounds the same there's like a thousand companies that do what sounds the same to me as the buyer so i think Maybe if you could think, talk about the lessons of marketing a thing that is, if not commoditized, is very crowded and doesn't have obvious differentiations, because I think a lot of listeners would resonate with that. Absolutely. Tough. And in on top of it, cybersecurity is one of the toughest audiences <laughs> in the industry by yeah, far, right? Super savvy. Yeah. Exactly. Super <laughs> yeah. savvy. Not going to give you their data willingly. You're like, know how to get around all of your little marketing tricks, right? On top of it. So that's where some of this, some of my sentiment is coming from as far as focusing on the customer, because I've had to have this fight 
especially in B2B and cybersecurity, a lot from a marketing standpoint of like, look, you're not going to get X amount of leads in a quarter, right? And have that then turn into revenue. That is not how this process works, <laughs> especially with this audience, right? They're too much. It's in, and it's a long sales cycle regardless, because they're going to vet everything about your product and solution, given that their name is on the line for the security of their entire organization, right? A lot of hurdles to get to. So, uh, you know, I don't care that they had a lead, you know, a lead score of 100 and whatever, and, you know, ranked hot on something. It doesn't matter because number one, I have a, a B2B as a buying committee. Not one person is going to make this decision, right? Two, they're going to take their sweet, good old time making that decision, not based on your time. And number three, they value the offering first, right? Over, they know the sale is coming. They know it, right? I have a super savvy audience. So all the stuff of traditional marketing tech and you know digital marketing, all that stuff, that stuff doesn't apply for the most part in cybersecurity. Right. None of it. So I have to come back and go to marketing principles in order for my marketing to even resonate, let alone work. One of the biggest thing in cybersecurity is like the audience is trying to educate themselves always. Like they want to know the latest and greatest on vulnerabilities, the what's going on with the latest attacks. Um, just educate themselves in cybersecurity. So many niche careers and you know little pockets that they want to move up and move over. So they're trying to learn the latest tech techniques in order to educate them themselves and build their own resume and then hopefully move up, move over into different areas in cybersecurity, right? That's, that's one of the biggest things in that audience. So it's like, if you can educate them, you have a loyal audience. And then once you have a loyal audience, then you can go try to educate them on your products and solutions and tell them how it's going to help either make their life easier or how it's going to help them solve a problem that they already have, right? So I have a relation, I have to build a relationship in marketing with my audience for six, eight months a year before I even have a chance to sell to them that they're even going to listen to anything that I have to say right now. Imagine like being in a, a regular kind of B2B tech company and marketing department and tell them like, yeah, I'm not going to produce results for like a year. You'd get, you'd be gone <laughs> to hear that. But like, that's the reality of, you know, what I'm dealing with. And that's a hill I have to climb on a regular basis. You know? Yeah, I get it. Yeah. I get, you know, there's, there's sort of the self-conversion SaaS funnel-y type of world that just does not apply to a complex consultative, you know, long-term relationship service type of, of business. And I, I think that that mistake does get made, you know, a lot. And particularly, I bet you have this experience too. It's like working with brilliant technical founders and executive teams who are all technical in nature. And that, you know, they really, really would love the, the idea that marketing and sales could become formulaic, like it's some kind of engineering equation. And, um, you know, it just doesn't seem to be the case there. And you have ebbs and flows and you have like difficulties and there's all types of channels. And it's a very complex part of that business. And, and the fact that you can have an outstanding service, but if you don't have, you know, those relationships in which to execute, nobody's going to know about it. And you can't go yelling into the wind about all the awesome stuff you do for threat detection and, you know, blah, 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 because SEO is impossible in the space. I mean, it's just like completely loaded. The keywords are, you know, ridiculous expensive. And uh, you get a hundred outreaches every day about like, you know, from a different company. So Super you know, I guess the, the channel selection has to be 
really important too. How do you pick, how do you pick channels that must differentiate you in some way to, to get that, you know, trusted voice? It's not necessarily the channel per se, because they all work. It's more of what's the investment you're willing to put in that channel, right? The way I treat, and I, I use social media because it's an easy example, but I, the way I treat LinkedIn is not the same way I treat t- Twitter. It's not the same way I treat Instagram, right? Facebook, they're, they're all kind of have their different little mechanisms, the way that you work it and what you're trying to get out of it. But all of them require you to cultivate an audience first for you to see any results, point blank, period, right? And they're all about engagement. So just like you said, like, Someone be like, yeah, uh, we want to get on Twitter and gain so many followers. But like all you do is shout into the ether <laughs> and don't follow anyone and don't tag anyone and don't engage anybody and like wonder why it's not working. It's classic marketing. right? <laughs> like I just if you build it, they will come. And it's just like, but you're not engaging your audience whatsoever. There's nothing there. Like you have to do the fundamentals first. We have to go back to the basics of marketing in order for this to work. It doesn't work without it. So it's not necessarily the channel. They all work, you know, depends on how you, what you're trying to get out of that audience, what you're trying to work, but it's cultivating the audience. That's the effort, you know what I mean? And it's giving to the audience and referencing them and making them the stars. People like it when they get shout outs. People like it when they get tagged. They like it when you talk about them. They don't like it when you talk about you. Nobody cares about you. (laughs) Care about them. Right. So, yeah. Absolutely. And that makes me think what new channels or, or maybe channel isn't the right word, but what new approaches do you see on the horizon that, you know, might be the places to like two years ago, nobody was talking about TikTok, you know, and, and B2B and in our world, you know, podcasting and B2B, you know, there's sort of like stuff that nobody talked about that all of a sudden is hot. And, you know, I wonder how does that pop on your radar and how do you know, you know, which things are potentially worth using? I'm a, I'm a dinosaur. So I'm a, I'm a millennial, but like, I, I'm not like personally, I'm not into like the socials. <laughs> like I am not I'm, personally either. So yeah. I, it's interesting when I have to do it on a business basis, I go, ah, all right. You know, I will, but um yeah, no interest on my own my own personal self. Well, one of the things I do like and I tell people because when I talk about like you know, empathy and listening and things like that, one of my favorite things to do is like go on YouTube and look at like a day in the life videos. And I tell this to any marketer who like wants to learn their audience, but like can't for some odd reason get to talk to them one on one. And then there's a day in life for dang near anything. And so like I did this for cybersecurity and it's not necessarily like they're like, how do they use the tools and da, 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 da. I'm more looking for like their environment. What I realized is like a lot of people in cybersecurity, they work in a dark area, right? Like they're in a dark room normally by themselves for hours on the day. Like they're in front of a computer in a dark room for hours a day. What's the pathology of somebody who's like that, right? Like, and it's not like they're like dark and moody or whatever, but like, it must be isolating. You know what I mean? Like, but they're like also problem solvers and they want to like fix things and they want to, you know, like very curious minds. Like, you know what I mean? Like you start to like, think like, who is this person really? That stuff you're not going to get on a persona map. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. It's really like, it's those psychographic behaviors. Yeah. Like, I mean, we do that in sales too, where you, you really kind of go like what motivates this person or, or what, 
external extrinsic motivations would happen because of their job you know how are they rewarded in that particular job category how is success defined by their boss how is success defined by them from a, a personal basis are they motivated to finish something are they motivated to have their name on something because nobody notices them and you can be their hero and you know there's all kinds of Stuff there. I love that day of the life thing. I never thought about that, that you could probably find a video about anything these days. So. Exactly. They're all over the place. And it's just like, now you can take that from a marketing and sales point. And now you can start to like craft messaging and craft campaign and come from a different angle that's not outside the box and really speak to someone directly. You know what I mean? That's how you move the needle. Like you have to get into sort of the mind of that person in order to speak with them, speak at to them with empathy. Like I understand kind of what you're going through, what your day is like. I, I get it. You know what I mean? Like you're in a room, nobody sees you, nobody understands, but the work that you do is very, very important and like, you know, impactful and how do you get recognized and and now you're starting to resonate versus like we have a white paper on threat detection and your network and blah, blah, like who cares. You make make me want to ask the question about, you know, product marketing manager is such a is such a new thing. And I'll see very often when we enter organizations on the sales side and you have to kind of look it around and, and you go, well, product marketing is providing this, you know, 67 page deck in nine point font that <laughs> is somehow supposed to drive the sales process. And you're like, you know, if we get a call, we have about 35 seconds to, to sound credible. Exactly which piece of this, you know, encyclopedia do you think is important? And, and I just kind of wonder, where does that come from? Because you, you just sort of go like our particularly in tech, there seems to be this obsession with product marketing. And I get it. And I understand that it, what it looks like to me is supposed to be sales enablement material, but is is vastly oversaturated and, and useless, frankly, from the sales standpoint. So everybody kind of rolls their eyes there. And if there's one place, it's middle of funnel that I think is collision ground of lousy content with the actual mandates of sales. I agree. I mean, it, it's word vomit, <laughs> right? It's it's them trying to boil the ocean and get every key differentiator and every feature and every product and everything into like one like document. But again, nobody care. The audience doesn't care. <laughs> like they just want to know how you're going to help them and how you're going to like improve their life and their work life and get them recognized. And that's what you have to speak to. I mean, like I get it. I mean, we are victims of this. I'm not going to act like Fidelis is above this whatsoever. We, we have four products. So like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And like three different audiences. So we suffer from this, you know, all the time. But I get it too, right? Like crowded space, you got a lot of products. Like how's our thing is How's our thing different? And if it's not different, then what do you do? Because the chances are that a lot of those products are just keeping up with the Joneses, you know, in the industry. Like, well, we got to have an endpoint manager. So, okay, let's let's do that. You know, and so some things it's sort of like, yeah, we have a new product, but the only purpose of that product is like, all right, well, you don't have to go to somebody else and you can stay inside the wall garden if you want to. Exactly. But you can't go market it and say, hey, you know, we built this thing so that you don't use the competitor. <laughs> exactly. But we what, what we've been fighting for over the last, and I've been fighting for and, you know, I finally got the marketing department to get on board is like the use case for the product is more important than the product. 
right? The problem you're trying to solve. So it's the problem you're trying to solve, how you help them, and then what the product does, right? Like one, two, three. I got to like, your issue is X, you know, data protection, let's say. You know, we help you solve your data protection issue by X, you know, or we're the best at data protection because of blah, you know what I mean? And and then we can get in, and once you have the tree, the hook, then we can get into Y. Because one, if my product does X and you're not trying to do data, solve your data protection problem, we can end the conversation, right? Like we just, I didn't hit you. We can just move on. You got to start with like, what problem am I trying to help you solve for? Because if that's not your problem, then I'm not going to do for you anyway. So we can just, you know, move on to the problem. Yeah. And then that makes a good point, right? Like that one of the best things you can do is top of the funnel, actually filter stuff and go, you know, here's what we do and who we do it for. And if this doesn't sound like you, you can go do you something can, else. It's, it's okay. okay. It's right? okay. Exactly. <laughs> do not it's drive okay. people who are obviously not qualified into the very limited time that your sales reps have because that time is expensive. Marketing can talk a thousand to one. We need to talk one to one. And there's only eight hours in the day. Exactly. Like this is where marketing can su- super help your sales team. And this is why marketing and sales need to get on the same page about mo- mainly focusing on the customer because if marketing is just about numbers. You get that bloated funnel with a bunch of crap and junk in it just because they have to check the box of like, I did this many numbers. It's just like, it's the, the focus on metrics is killing us more than it's helping us with this kind of stuff. Like we have to get away from it. Yeah. Yeah, white papers, webinars, you know, just because somebody showed up and showed some basic interest or registered for a thing, it doesn't mean they want to buy. It means they no. want to learn. They, exactly. Exactly. And Which is of, good. How do they want to learn? Exactly. Know? It's good. You can cultivate an audience that way, but that's not kicking them over to sales just because they did it. That is the other dirty word of marketing, nurture, which is not properly used either. Um, which is because nurture just means force them down the funnel and not like actually cultivate them as an audience, <laughs> which you actually should be doing. Um, but you should like exactly try to cultivate your audience once you get them in and they're learning. And then, hey, if they show a hand raise, which is I what I always say, which is what your marketing should be leading them to right on the on our buyer's journey. I like buyer's journey more than funnel because that that's stages and that has proper campaign alignment to it proper levers and mechanisms of if you're here, then next logical thing is for you to do this. If you're in this stage, next logical thing is for you to do this. That's that. I like that talk funnel is, I don't necessarily like it. I think it's been bastardized and misused. And it's just like, you know, you hit this score. So you're in this stage and it's like, making sense. (laughs) You can ruin any system by doing it wrong. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I, I, um, I always think it's, I had a professor that used to say, and it wasn't even his quote, but it was like, all models are wrong. Some models are useful, you know, and like, it just like, let's get a more simplistic way to talk about this. And also, you know, if I could advise sales and marketing teams, just agree on a vocabulary because, you know, like just even just sitting here, I'm listening to like the word customer. And you have to say like, what does that mean in context here? Because a customer might be a target customer, which is to really say somebody who has potential to do business with us. But a lot of salespeople will say customer only means a person who already signed and is now moving to onboarding. So I would encourage every team out there to have you know a, a glossary down to the 
really pedantic level. It says, well, what exactly do we mean by this? And what is the enter and exit criteria for this thing? And you can call it a stage, you can call it a level, you know, whatever it is. But how do I become that? And how do I become the next thing? And exactly what, that's where your, your measurements are going to matter. You know, if, if it trips over one thing, it becomes something else, which then provides me with a new menu of activities of things I might try because they demonstrated these previous behaviors. Exactly. 100%. And I could not agree with you more on agreed upon names and understandings and definitions. I mean, that is one of the biggest disconnects between sales and marketing is just a miscommunication. What I say lead sales thinks they're ready to buy. And when marketing says lead, they just mean someone who showed interest. Wildly different. <laughs> yeah. Or like lead in many cases is just like a human that has a name and an email address. Exactly. Yeah. Know, like it, it, it may or may not fit. It might've shown some intention, you know, and you, that's where you kind of go like, Hey, everybody just like, there's no right answer here. Let's sit and define this for our business. And I think that missing that strategic thinking that, that goes into those things I can't imagine, you know, I often will walk into companies at, at a maturity level. You kind of go, how did you make $10 million? I don't that? get it. You know, <laughs> like, I mean, it's, it's like in spite of yourself and you kind of go, what does this actually mean? And why are we doing this thing? And everybody, I don't know, you know. No idea. Been doing it for 20 years. That's what we're doing. It's always been that way. We just exactly. make that report every Friday. And, and you think that stuff would have gone away, you know, with all the, our advanced toolings and reporting and integrations and, I think we've managed to make everything more complicated. Very much so. <laughs> we, we have an ability to make things very powerful. Uh, but what comes with that is that instead of now being able to, you know, technology allows us to track 200,000 variables instead of five, but you can still do all of that really poorly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we see it on a daily basis. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, and then, you know, if that data point moved, does that mean a good thing? Does that mean a bad thing? Does anybody even know? Why are we tracking this? Why? I mean, that's the other thing about like definitions and naming. It's my other sort of passion slash pet peeve is like attribution. Like, what does any of this really mean? None of it is in context of anything. They're just numbers. Like, is 500 leads good? Is it bad? Is it, you know what I mean? Like, is it these NQLs, SQLs, whatever these numbers is 40% good, bad, and different? Like, there's no context around any of it. So it's like, no one trusted. You know what I mean? This is like, you put all this effort into all of this data with all of these tools and all of these mechanisms and all these processes. And the output is like, I don't, think that's right i'm gonna well, send it I, to somebody that's where i become like you know hey like if we can all agree on revenue you know at least that's a goal that we kind of go i think we all want to get paid here and the only bucket of money that we can get paid from is if we sell stuff so let's all agree on that <laughs> for sales it makes a hundred percent that makes one that's correct but for marketing it's it's weird because what ends up happening is since from a b2b standpoint since it's a long sales cycle, since it's a big buying committee, what you have is like sales looks at marketing attributions like, no, you didn't do that. <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, no, I get you, it. Yeah, it has to kicked be over a name. Right? Like, yeah, yeah like yeah, I, like, you know. It has to be a line. And I think like first removing that adversarial idea there and, and just say, look, if we're all aligned to 
the long-term growth of this business. And we all agree that profitability and revenue is a good thing. Let's work together on what we could each do to contribute to moving that in the right direction. And, you know, once you get to that point, it, it's a little bit better. Uh, but I have to say, this is why I like working with small businesses because there's not as many people to move around. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Be much more flexible too as well. Yeah. Well, fantastic insights, Moni. Thank you so much. I love your passion on it. I, I would imagine being in meetings with you is a lot of fun. So I <laughs> like, like to be on a, a wall, uh, where they say uh, fly on the wall for that. But what are you thinking about going forward? I mean, I love the fundamentals thing. You know, I usually ask every guest kind of just leave the past behind there and look, what, what things are going to matter for the next couple of years? Like what has to be on the B2B radar? We have to get better at communication as marketers. It's our job. We are communicators. We don't communicate well. The internet has ruined our ability to communicate <laughs> completely. And it's not just talking at people. That is not communication. Most communication, 60% of communication, if not more, is listening, not talking. So you have to do a better job listening to our audience. As marketers, our audience is sales. Our audience is the executive team. Our audience is channel. Our audience is our partners. Our audience is also our prospects, customers, right? Like in, that's, we have a collective of audience. So that's one of the things that it's not just, you know, the first layer is communication, but it's like also all, as marketers understanding that we are the face of the business. We own the brand. Right. And our job as marketers internally and externally is to represent the brand. I don't know how many times I've dealt with organizations and I've dealt with people in the marketing department who have no idea what the company does. Don't understand what you do. That is terrible. That is bad. Right. That's not an acceptable answer. And I hear it all the time. And like those fundamental things have to change. We have to go back. Marketing needs to understand what the company does. They need to be able to communicate it well and effectively to anyone. Right. That 30 second elevator pitch needs to come back. All that good stuff. And they need to be the ones that are championing the company and the brand because you represent the brand and your audience is every external person and every internal person within the organization, too, as well. So you need to make sure that they know what's going on from a marketing standpoint, as well as your customers, too, as well. Do those things. You will have success, I promise you, regardless of what, how many leads you generate, right? Because you can generate 100 leads and they go nowhere. You can generate one lead, it can turn into a gajillion dollars. So focus on the marketing, focus on communicating, focus on listening. You will be a better marketer. You will be a better person in general if you do that. Amen. <laughs> Fantastic. Moni, if anybody resonates with you, what you're saying, and you know, want to reach out, what's the best channels to do that? My, I'm at my name on all socials. So it's M-O-N-I-O-L-O-Y-E-D-E. I have talks on my LinkedIn if you'd like to hear me rant about these things in more in depth. And I have a website. It's called momartech.com, M-O-R. M-O-M-A-R-T-E-H.com. And I go to organizations and I help them fix their communication issues and disguise it as marketing help. <laughs> well, we'll have all those links in the show notes. And Moni, this is a lot of fun. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Leaders of B2B podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a five-star rating. 
And as always, you can see more information about this episode and all the resources mentioned at leadersofb2b.com.